Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Well, looky there. Philadelphia Eagles' perfect season, gone. It's evaporated. And who made sure that happened? The Washington Redskins slash football team slash commanders slash they're making Daniel Snyder sell the team and look what happens. 32-21 win for Washington over Philadelphia. Not only do we ruin the Eagles' perfect season, <laughs> we made them look bad on Monday Night Football. Just chef's kiss. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III. Actually, am happy about my team. Trying to remember the last decade that occurred. <laughs> Just, it's a combination of things. Even Hannah, the producer extraordinaire, stepped in. She goes, Look at your commanders. I said, I know. I'm trying to contain my excitement. We're winning ball games. We got Taylor Heineke out there as our quarterback, which, you know, it's the great value version of Kirk Cousins. But we got the win. And more importantly, a whole D money's being forced to sell the team. Which means the era of having raw sewage being poured onto your fans during ball games and all the other terrible things he does, it's coming to an end. Yay, hope! I get to hope, be hopeful for my team again. We have a tremendous show lined up for you. I know what you're thinking to yourself. Ray, don't you do that every single day? You're darn tootin' we do. But we're going to make it even more special for you today. Brett Chancy, yeah, regular season's over. Why would we have H-Town wheelhouse back on the show? Because free agency is going on. Astros already making a move. Rumor has it, Anthony Rizzo, number one target for the Strohs. The former LSU Tiger and a man who just wrapped up playing first base for the New York Yankees. He's a free agent. You know who needs a hitting first baseman? The Houston Astros. And I'm sure that connection with LSU won't hurt them either. No, I'm mistaken. I'm thinking of DJ LeMahieu. I got so excited about my Washington football team. I mistaked Anthony Rizzo for DJ LeMahieu. I apologize. <laughs> but Rizzo is a very good hitting first baseman. And 
if you're the Strohs, you go get Rizzo, and you can still try to bring back Yuli as well as a bench guy, as a veteran. Makes a lot of sense. But it sure does feel like to me Jim Crane is going to be aggressive. We'll talk about the Astros. Do they have a chance with Justin Verlander? Some reports coming out that Verlander wants a huge payday, and the Astros aren't on that list. We'll talk to that with Brett Chancey coming up at 7 o'clock. Right after that, our weekly conversation with Coach Dez. Hey, Raging Cajuns, one on Thursday, one big on Thursday. Now they've put themselves in a position to get back to a bowl game. If they get to six wins, they're going to the Independence Bowl. We'll talk to Coach Dez about that and about their road trip to Tallahassee to take on Florida State this Saturday. At 8 o'clock, Jim Gazzolo, the great one. You know him. You love him. He's the host of the McNeese Coaches Show. He's the host of Poke Nation. He covers McNeese for the Lake Charles American Press. He'll join us. Cal Pokes, two wins in a row. First road win of the season. First conference win of the season. He'll recap it for us. And look ahead to Saturday's regular season finale for McNeese as they take on Lamar. And then our fourth and final guest on this Tuesday edition is going to be Ali Cassell. Pelicans, any concerns by the inconsistencies? Any concerns by the defense not really being there yet? Pelicans are hovering around 500. Ali Cassell will break it down for us, the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. So those are our four guests on this tremendous Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company. But you know we love to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. When you guys don't call Hannah five names, curls up in a ball, and weeps. You don't want her crying, do you? You don't want her crying. Go ahead and mark it off the bingo card. <laughs> You don't want her, this poor, poor woman, to be in tears today, do you? So give us a call on the hotline. It's 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. She's already tearing up right now. And that's not a lie, by the way. The last part. The part before that was a little bit of a lie. (laughs) Which you can go ahead and mark off on the old bingo card. But we're going to lead off with Monday Night Football. 32-21 win for the Commanders over the Eagles. And it was all about the run game. Not only did my team win, they did so old school. I am Joe Gibbs era Washington fan. My favorite player of all time was John Riggins. I love tough football. Run the football, blocking, and mauling the competition. I'm a big line of scrimmage guy and run the football. And I know that's not in vogue anymore. I get it. It's all about the passing attack. I understand. But I am what I am. And I like what I like. And the commanders went out there and said, we're going to play power football. 
snapping the Eagles' undefeated streak. Of course, Miami Dolphins, the 1972 Dolphins celebrated on social media, the ones that know how to use social media, as they remain the only perfect team to ever win a Super Bowl in NFL history. Early in the fourth in this ballgame, third and one, Eagles trailed by only two. Jalen Hurts threw to Godert for a would-be first down, but linebacker Davis grabbed and pulled the face mask as he attempted to tackle him, and a simultaneous hit by defensive tackle John Ridgway knocked the ball loose. Washington recovered and tacked on a 55-yard field goal to go up the lead by six. And I want to point this out because it was a no call. It was a bad call, and I don't care. Bad calls go against teams in every single game. Officials are human. Officials miss it. Officials are incompetent. They go against every team in every game that has been played in NFL history has had calls either not called or go against the other team every single game. And this is a perfect example of a team from a big market, a market that the NFL loves to prop up, the only undefeated team left in the league. They had a call go against them as well. Just going to point that out. Just want to go and point that out to everyone. The terrible officiating is just not a few teams' issues. We have terrible officiating across the board. Now, I can say that as a rational talk show host. As a fan, I don't care. Anything to stick it to Philly is okay with me. Once again, don't like the teams in my division. Never have, never will. That's why I don't root for the Cardinals. Because they used to be in my division. That's back in the day when they were still in St. Louis. I don't care. You're in my division. You are the enemy. Done. Done, 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 done. Eagles, through the first eight games, only had three turnovers. They did a masterful job of not turning over the football. You know how many they had last night on Monday Night Football? They had four. Four. Only had three the whole season, four on Monday night. And then they had a... Not only did they have the four turnovers, they also had unnecessary roughness call on Brandon Graham for hitting Taylor Heineke, which, by the way, extended a Washington drive that led to a score. See, Saints fan, your team's not the only one that has dumb penalties. Philly proved it last night on Monday Night Football. Terrible, 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 terrible. But take apart, take aside the terrible officiating. Redskins slash commander slash football team controlled the ball for more than 38 minutes. That is old school three yards in a cloud of dust type of football. And for 
certain population, certain football fans, football fans of a certain age, rather, you remember that. And that's how you'd win games. Play defense, force turnovers, run the football. Held the ball for 38 minutes. Robinson and Antonio Gibson had touchdowns. Terry McLaurin had 128 yards receiving. That's all you need, man. Power run game and a complimentary wide receiver. I know I'm dating myself. I know I sound like the old man. And it's been an emotional time for the Washington Commanders. Rivera had his mom pass away two weeks ago, the head coach. Just this last week, he flew for to California for a funeral. And he struggled to address his team after the win last night. All while the team is getting ready to be sold by its incompetent and, let's just be honest, dirtbag owner. Now, does this mean that the Washington football team is going to be making a run to the playoffs? No. No. But a great win over a division rival, ruining their perfect season, I'll take all day long. Got bigger things on the horizon for my team. New leadership, new ownership, new leadership, new direction. This is just lanyap. This is icing on the cake, being able to ruin Philly's perfect season. That's great. But bigger and better things are in store for my team. Just think of it this way. If my Washington commanders were in the NFC South, they'd be leading the division. That's how bad the NFC South is. Right now, the Commanders are in last place. Even with last night's win over Philly, they remain in last place in their own division. They are number four, bottom. Trailing the Dallas Cowboys by a full two games for third place. But in the NFC South, they'd be leading the division. The NFL is a wacky place this year. Just saying. Wacky place. You know what else is wacky? Yours truly. This show. Inside this studio. We'll try to keep the wackiness going. Hannah Five Names is going to blow your mind with what she has to say coming up sometime this hour. Not going to tell you exactly when it is. She's just going to grab the microphone. She's going to say, this is my show now. Like in that movie, Captain Phillips, when he goes, I'm the captain now, that's what she's going to do. I'm the, I'm the host now. She's just going to grab the microphone, take over. Stay tuned for that. But first, we'll talk New Orleans Saints football. I know, a lot of you don't want me to, but we're going to. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. New Orleans Saints are still playing football games. Well, at least they're scheduled to continue playing football games. How well they'll play in those games, well, that's that's I I I don't know. I'm not for sure. I'm not even sure they know. Right now, the Hoodats are in fourth place in the NFC South. Yes, they're three and seven, just like Carolina, but remember they lost to the Panthers, so the Panthers have the tiebreaker. A team that has shipped off their number one wide receiver, their number one running back, and fired their head coach is still better than the Saints. That's the reality that you're living in if you're a member of the Black and Gold Nation. Three and seven. Not too many teams worse than them in the National Football League. One of them being the Bears. But as I was discussing with a diehard Bears fan of mine, friend of mine who's a diehard Bears fan, you you take Bears right now all day long over the Saints. If, if I'm looking at future what's happening, they have their quarterback. Chicago has their guy. It's Justin Fields. Guy special. Now, you got to continue developing him as a quarterback, but you got your quarterback. You don't have to worry about that. Now, the Bears don't have much of anything. They got some nice pieces in the secondary. They got a, a few nice pieces across the offensive line, but they still need more offensive line. They still need wide receivers, playmakers on the outside to help Justin Fields. But the Bears have draft picks, and they have like $60 million under the cap next season. They got a bunch of draft picks. They got a bunch of salary cap space, and they got their quarterback figured out. So the Bears are three and seven, but you feel a lot different about the Bears at three and seven because you feel like they're building something, just like you feel Detroit is building something. The Lions have a slew of draft picks, a ton of them. Jared Goff is not the answer there; he's not the guy. But they've done a nice job drafting. They fight hard. They play hard for Dan Campbell. When you watch Detroit play, they may not execute and their roster is beat up, but they fight hard for their coach. They have energy. They appear that they actually care. Not to mention, they have salary cap space, and they have a bunch of draft picks. So as it stands right now, and I can't believe I'm actually sitting here saying this, I feel more confident about the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears building a winner in the next two to three years more so than I do than the Saints. That's where you're at. That's where you're at, unfortunately. Rams come to town on Sunday. The defending Super Bowl champions look lost. They're beat up. Cooper Cup now has a severe injury. Matthew Stafford's playing through a shoulder issue or an elbow issue or both. They're three and six. They're at the bottom of the NFC West. Three and six. 
versus three and seven. Sunday inside the dome. Let's get ready. Let's get excited. But you got to start somewhere. And you got to get it together against someone so you can salvage this season. Playoffs, not in their, I'm I'm just going to go and say it now, not in their future. Just having a respectable record and not giving the Philadelphia Eagles a top five or top ten pick needs to be the goal now. Needs to be the goal. What message does Dennis Allen have for his team for this week after losing yet another game and looking awful while doing it? Well, this is what D.A. had to say. Well, yeah, the message a little bit this week was, was man, let's have fun playing this game. Um, but I told the team in there today that the, the message now is, is man, there's got to be a sense of urgency. There's got to be a sense of urgency in everything that we do. We've got to get some things corrected, and there has to be a sense of urgency about doing that. And 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 what we've done to this point has not been good enough. And so if we keep doing the same things and expect it to be different, that's the definition of insanity. So um, we've got to change the way we prepare. We've got to change the way we get, the way we get ready to play a game. That's coaches, players, that's all of us. Um, you know, because it, it, it hasn't been – you know, up to the standard that we've had here. <laughs> I'm sorry, Saints fan, because I know you're hurting right now. I get it. I I, I get it. I, I know you're in pain. I know you're angry at your team. You're angry at your coach. You, you, you're filled with despair. I get it. So please, I, I've been there, okay? I, I understand that pain that you're going through. I really do. But your head coach said in a press conference that now, now there's a sense of urgency after they fall to three and seven. After 10 weeks of the regular season, now there's a sense of urgency. Are you kidding me? (laughs) This has been to have fun. That's cool. Can you have fun and win games? Is that a thing? Who's insane? You, you the one are the one that's insane. <laughs> my, my man, honestly, the words came out of his mouth. Uh, it needs to be a sense of urgency. You think? Nah, Sherlock. <laughs> You've wrapped up ten weeks of the regular season, my man. You're three and seven, and now, and now it's sense of urgency time. See. I could have told you what DA said. I could have I could have explained it to you. I could have given you the quote, but no 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 no. Well, I just needed to play it for you. Anna started like, you started having a seizure as the clip was playing. Does it want to poke my eye out with the pen in my hand right now? The message has been to have fun, but now the message is to have some urgency. No, Sherlock. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I told you she was going to say something phenomenal in this hour. Oh, and he, here it is. He makes my head hurt. Oh, oh. I'm going to put you in the insane asylum. You're the one that's insane. I... You good? Ow. <laughs> when you're one and two, urgency should happen. When you're three and four, urgency should happen. Not three and seven. Now when I have to have the 
EMS on standby for foot? No. <laughs> if he hasn't heard that clip, you know you're going to have to play it for him, right? Oh, I'm going to play it. And if the next clip you play is about Jameis Winston, I'd be 100% saying you're not going to start Jameis. I, I will sign that Dennis Allen firing petition. This is what Dennis Allen had to say about Jameis Winston starting and not quite being 100%. I feel like I, I think probably have to visit with him a little bit in terms of that or visit with the medical staff in terms of that. But um, And I think Jameis said this the other day. I don't know that he's ever going to be 100% healthy this season. Um, but he's in here every day. He's in here every morning. Um, working with the trainers, getting himself ready, and and I feel like uh, he's closer to to being there. He's not starting, is he? <laughs> what did he just say? That, that's that, I don't think he knows. <laughs> what did the head coach of the New Orleans Saints just say? Can anyone interpret what he just said? Because I got lost about ten seconds in. <laughs> I got lost four seconds in with the um the uh uh um I think. He's going to start Andy Dalton on Sunday, isn't he? Yes. He's going to want Kevin Foote to do his fast walking that a man can do somehow very fast to get to New Orleans <laughs> before they <laughs> take on the Rams <laughs> to slap the man in the face. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's never going to be 100%. I need to speak to the training staff and the medical staff. I need to speak to Jameis Winston. Have you had to speak to him already? He is one of your players. He's supposed to be your quarterback. Then you decide to put Andy Dalton in. That has done jack squat for the team. We are now three and seven, sir. Fire the medical staff. Please, someone. Let's get a whole new one in here because they don't know what they're doing anyway. She is salty this morning. It is Tuesday at 6.30 and five names is like, I'm tired tired of this guy i am tired of this team i do not have time for this nonsense that has become the new orleans saints in 2022 like i'm just reading the names of these clips and i'm like they're gonna say nothing they should be probably really good clips and they're gonna say nothing because he doesn't know how to speak (laughs) we can't we gotta we gotta take a time out when we return, I told y'all, I told y'all, I was actually not lying, so you could scratch that off the old bingo card because I I could sense it and just, we'll play more Dennis Allen clips later on today's show. <laughs> the man said, the man said, well, there's got to be a sense of urgency now. <laughs> You're three and seven. He's waiting. It's as if he got a memo from someone. Uh, DA, you know, uh, you, you got to start winning more games than you lose now, right? That's got to, you know, that's uh, that's something you got to do. <laughs> it's doing calculus. The man can't do calculus. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. 
So if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a brand new pool, or for any other reason, look, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. So what happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. And look, there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out there and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Woo. Talked Monday night football win for the Washington Commanders over the Philadelphia Eagles. No more undefeated teams left in the NFL. You're welcome, 1972 Miami Dolphins. You're welcome. Commanders get to 5-5? Five and five? Could they make the playoffs? See, this is the dangerous thing of being a fan. When you've been down on your team for so long and now you have hope because the man who owns Amazon is looking and buying your franchise and you're thinking to yourself, hey, we're about to get rid of Daniel Snyder. Hey, no more sexual harassment done by the front office personnel. Hey, no more dumping sewage on our fans. Hey, we just beat Philly. It gives you hope. Now I'm thinking about my commanders possibly being a playoff team. <laughs> I'm sure Daniel Snyder will screw that up somehow. We're talking that, and then, of course, we've been talking about the, the lunacy, if you will, of Dennis Allen's press conference yesterday. You know what? Three and seven is when you need to get sense of urgency. Not three and six, not three and five, not three and four. No, no. That's not the time to hit the panic button. That's not the time to hold the guys accountable. That's not the time to be determined to turn things around. No, no, no. Three and seven is the time for Dennis Allen to turn things around. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can't wait for you and Kevin to be together this morning. (laughs) It's going to be outstanding. Let's head out to the hotline. Well, come on, Randy, to the show. Randy, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're being safe out there on those wet roads this morning. What you got on your mind, bud? Well, Mr. Three, talking about the Saints, I'm still I'm convinced that Jameis Winston is in the coach's doghouse for some reason. And, uh, it, I mean, it feels I, that way, I, doesn't it? I don't know it? why. I would love. Randy, it does feel that way, doesn't it? It's starting to feel that way. It, it does. And. But you know what? And my personal feelings for Heinous Jameis are not high. And I, I wish the Saints had never signed him, never brought him in, even before when he was backing up Taysom Hill and Drew Brees. But the, the fact of the matter is, right now, the way this offense is, I would love to see him behind the center, running for his life, getting sacked, having to make quick decisions, throwing more picks, just to get this over with, just to get people to stop talking about it, to get him out of here. I mean, that, I'm, I'm at that point. Realistically, though, I think if the Saints actually wanted to make a run for the division, which they still can, they're only two games back, Taysom Hill should be the starting quarterback. They should be playing smash mouth, helping out that offensive Mm -hmm. line, that depleted offensive line, and at least trying to stay in games and get back into the time of possession game. But 
I don't think they're going to do that. I think we're going to see Andy Dalton on Sunday. And, uh, you know, God willing, we beat the Rams, but I, I don't know. Oh man, I, I and and Randy, I, look, I agree with you. I don't think either guy's your your starting quarterback or even on the roster next year, right? So I, I don't think either one is going to to win you a ton of games. And but I don't see everyone's calling for Jamison. Look, I, I'd love to see what he could do if he's now healthy. Okay, great. Let's see what he can do with Alave and and Jarvis Landry and all that. But I don't think it's going to be that much difference. To be perfectly frank with you. I think he can throw the long ball better than Andy Dalton can. I think you can stretch the field a little bit more with Jameis. But this is not a good team. Like, they're not well prepared. They're not well coached. They're, they don't execute. I, I don't think it really matters who the quarterback is right now. This is not a good football team, period. No, it isn't. But I think, you know, what people want to forget, the biggest weakness of Jameis Winston is when he has to make quick decisions, he almost always makes the wrong one. And in this case, in this offense, when you watch what Andy Dalton does, as bad as it seems, I think Winston would be even worse. People say it might not be any worse. I think it would be a lot worse. But, you know, because that's his history. Make him make a quick decision, he makes the wrong one. And, uh, yeah, he can throw the ball farther and faster. He's much more mobile. But, uh it's those bad decisions that lead to all those picks. It's a good, a good point, brother. Randy, I appreciate the phone call, bud. Enjoy your day. You too. Thanks. Good morning. Yeah, look, Jameis Winston turnovers the ball way too much. You force him into making quick decisions like Randy says, he makes bad decisions. But Andy Dalton's made a ton of bad decisions too. I, I, either guy, I don't think it really matters. I, I'm, I'm just being honest. The offensive line is banged up. They're not well coached. They're not well prepared. The game plan. Do you think you're going to utilize Taysom Hill more if you put in Jameis Winston? Taysom Hill had, what, three or four touchdown game not that long ago where he was the – had a phenomenal game. Scored in all three facets, right? And then we haven't seen him or heard from him since. Like, Like, you have weapons on the roster right now. Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, and you don't get them the ball. You don't put the ball in the playmaker's hands. That's not winning football. I don't care who the quarterback is. You could you could have Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill or whoever it may be. You could put out, you could put old Billy Joe Tolliver out there. I don't care if you don't put the ball in your playmaker's hands, you're not going to win. That is football 101. And for whatever reason, Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen don't understand that. Or they forget. Just like they forget that you should feel urgency before it's three and seven on the season. Like, I... I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sweating. <laughs> Let's head back out to the hotline while she cools off. Roger's been patiently waiting. Roger, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Good, good. I ain't heard from you from a while, man. I've been working, working. But I want to say, man, Dennis Allen is is I think he's more stubborn than uh Sean Payton because at the beginning of the season, everybody can recall James Winston got hurt, he had the fracture in his back. He refused to play Andy Dalton until he got pressure and backlash from the fans and he played Dalton. 
and Dalton played a couple good games, and then when everybody started figuring out how uh, Dalton run his offense, he hasn't had a good game ever since. And a lot of the touchdowns that he had was from outstanding efforts from star players like Kamara. In the Taysom Hill game where he had a couple of, uh, like, like scored an offensive game, like you said, ever since then he's been putting up one touchdown and a field goal or a few touchdowns. It is nothing spectacular. He's so stubborn. He's, he's still riding that wave of the games where he actually came in and did really good offense. But since the NFL has caught on to what they're trying to do with him, he don't want to let go. And I'm not saying James is the answer, but they have to do something different because right now, Don's not working, James not working, and we don't know if James can work being uh, he's fully healthy, so say. But right now, the, the decisions he's making from a coaching standpoint, him and Pete Carmichael, is not making any sense because he was willing to keep James out there until he had pressure from the fans like this guy got uh, and I don't even know if it's fully pressure from the fans. Well it was I more Roger Ro- Roger it was more about the ankle remember because yeah. he was playing with the, yeah. the the four stress fractures and then he he hurt he hurt his ankle and that's what forced him to uh, get placed and and have to uh, get, uh, be taken out of the lineup because of the ankle they were still throwing him out there and now that yeah, he's healthy I, I, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I, I understand your frustration, bud, but I will say this. You put in Jameis Winston, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. I understand where you're coming from because you still got to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And if you're not doing that as a play caller and if you're not scheming that up on offense, it doesn't matter who you got at quarterback. It just doesn't. Yeah, and I agree. We got a quarterback problem. It ain't going to get fixed this season, and I doubt it gets fixed next season. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Be safe out there today. You too, sir. All right. Look, do I think if you go to Jameis, you're going to get a spark? Yes. But do you trust Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen to call the plays that are needed, calling winning plays I don't and and that's fundamentally what's off with this team half of these games they should have won right we, we can look back on the schedule and say they had a chance to win half the games they lost so they should be a six win team right now at least they should be a six win team better play calling the, the two fundamental things that you're seeing, I had this conversation with someone yesterday. The two things the Saints are missing that they've always had in the past. Get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Good offensive play calling. Sean Payton could be frustrating the way he called games. We all can admit to that. Line up four wide when it's third and one. Okay, we've seen, we've seen that story. But he was aggressive and he was always determined and knew you have to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. So you have offensive play calling right now that doesn't do that. And on the flip side of that, you have a defense that's nowhere to be found. You promoted your defensive coordinator to head coach and the defense lost its identity. 
Now, is that because DA is not spending as much time with the defense like he used to? Probably. But I also don't know if Richard and the guys on staff are even allowed to call plays, are allowed to run the defense. I think that's a legitimate question. Does DA try to do too much? I'm the head coach, and I'm also kind of the quasi-defensive coordinator and not letting his coaches coach. I think that may be part of the miscommunication issue going on with the Saints defense. I think maybe the coaches are trying to coach the guys and then DA steps in. You can't do both. You're the head coach. You're no longer the defensive coordinator. This isn't college. This isn't you being the head coach and then you're also, you know, you, Dennis Allen, you're not in the Southland Conference where you can be the head coach and also a position coach at the same time. This is the NFL. I think those are your two biggest things. And that comes down to your coaching. Not getting the ball in your playmaker's hands on offense. Defense looks lost and not communicating properly. This is why this team is 3-7. and seven. Because a lot of that stuff that you see happen in games, the turnovers by the offense, not being on the same page, the defense missing tackles, not understanding what scheme they're in, not understanding their assignments, that is stuff that is done in training camp. That is stuff that's done in the preseason. That is stuff that is done on Tuesday and Wednesday of game weeks. That stuff's not getting done then. And that's why they're struggling on Sundays. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll unveil our poll question of the day. Wrap up hour number one. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. We spent all of hour one recapping Monday Night Football and sharing with you what Dennis Allen attempted to say during his press conference. And you're kind of sick of him and fired up by him. And and so is the producer extraordinaire. Miss Anna, five names. But our poll question of the day is a non-Saints question. So this should actually bring you some joy. And make make you feel good about your day. Who has been LSU's biggest breakout offensive player. We know Harold Perkins Jr. is that dog overall on the team. He's the breakout star of this year's team. He's the best player on the team already. The linebacker. LSU football's trying to call him the Tasmanian Devil. Kind of like that. Of course, I'm old enough to remember Looney Tunes. But who's been the biggest breakout offensive player? 42% of you say Jaden Daniels. 29% say Josh Williams. 16% say Malik Neighbors. 13% say Will Campbell. I will just say this. I'm not telling you how to vote. Without Will Campbell, Jane Daniels, Josh Williams, and Malik Neighbors don't have good seasons. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know, spoken like a true former offensive lineman. (laughs) I'm just saying, his development at the left tackle position has opened up everything else. I'm just saying the big fella, the freshman out of Neville High School, should probably be getting more love. Steve on Twitter says, having numerous weapons is a sign of a great team. I think the defense is the most improved as well as the biggest weapon for LSU. Hashtag go Tigers. 
John Paul Cajun Daddy says, biggest breakout player, no question. It is Josh Williams from walk-on to leading rusher on the team. That by far is the biggest breakout. The other players, it is expected of them. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. We'll talk more LSU next hour, but we'll kick things off with Hastro's talk with Brett Chancy. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Things have been salty this morning here on this tremendous Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company. It's 7.03. And Hannah Five Names is ramped up. Is she transforming into the female Kevin Foot? Maybe. Does that make you happy and sad all at the same time? Yes. Rightfully so. We we decided to play a few clips of Dennis Allen, <clears throat> the supposed head coach of the New Orleans Saints, and uh our producer extraordinaire, she grabbed the microphone and has been very vocal about her displeasure about the head coach of her football team this morning. The man can't do calculus. <laughs> he came in through simple math, like adding and subtracting. But you should be happy this morning. Why? One of your favorite players was named AL Rookie of the Year. Yes, as expected, as he should. Because Jeremy Pena got everything else. Because Jeremy Pena got everything else. <laughs> he was mostly trying to say, whoa, 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 Jeremy should be a, should be the rookie of the year. No, no. He got everything else in the postseason and stuff. He got, he, he's all right with that. Yeah, he got, he got the gold glove. He got the ALCS MVP. He's got the World Series MVP. Yeah. He gets to meet all the fans while uh, passing out Raising Canes in Houston. Yeah. Right. And yeah. his girlfriend being mad. Everybody else wants to say he wants to marry him. One lady, one girl made a sign that says, please reject me so I can move on from you. <laughs> I'm like, Chick. <laughs> Look. <laughs> there was no chance, Chick. Young, good-looking cat who's a professional athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's turned in quite the uh, overnight sensation, and rightfully so, because uh, that kid can flat-out play ball. We're going to talk more college football when Coach Dez with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns joins us in about 20 minutes, and then, of course, when Jim Gazzolo joins us an hour from now to talk all things McNeese. But right now, we're going to talk baseball. We're going to talk the Houston Astros. They've started off free agency, signing one of their big arms out of the bullpen. What do they do next? Do they go after an Anthony Rizzo? Do they try to get JV to come back? To break it all down for us is the man who's part of the Locked On Astros podcast. He's also a contributor for 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Brett Chancy now joins us. Brett, good morning to you, bud. How are you? You know, I'm doing good. It's colder than a New York Yankees postseason rundown here in Houston, Texas. <laughs> just can't help yourself. <laughs> he just can't help himself. All right, let's 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 start there. Because lots of smoke going on that the Astros are targeting 
Yankees first baseman, Anthony Rizzo, formerly of the Chicago Cubs, won a World Series with them, so he's a veteran guy, a good hitter. Glove works okay these days. What do you make of the reports that that's their number one target in free agency is getting the good-hitting first baseman from the Yankees? I think you add another left-handed bat. I think Rizzo in this lineup with the protection around it, with the shift being banned, and I don't think him rejecting a qualifying offer and coming to Houston deters him because Ken Rosenthal implied that Rizzo would go back to New York because once you turn down a qualifying offer, you don't get a second one for your career. But if he gets the right deal, um, rumors are between a four- to five-year deal around $20 million per year, some would say is a steep price. But I think being in Houston, again, having the lineup we have, Rizzo's average would go up. I think he would play well. And if they brought Rizzo back, you could easily bring back Yuli to not necessarily play all the time, but to be there as well um, on a reduced contract. I just don't know what Yuli's status is. I, I don't know if he plays on a team-friendly deal and, and just platoons or if he retires. But Anthony Rizzo, I wasn't on board with it at first. But the more I think about it and the more I look into it, man, this guy I think would absolutely match at Minute Maid Park. And, look, he was a part of that 2016 World, World Series champion Chicago Cubs. And he's been up in New York, so he's been in the pressure cooker. And he seems like a good dude, too. He just he seems like someone that I think the Astros fans would embrace if they decided to go all in on him. I mean, just this last year, 32 home runs, 75 RBIs for the Yankees. Now, the batting average is not where you want it to be, but Rizzo's never been a guy that's hit for average his best season is 292 and that was well 2016 it's been a minute and but this is a guy that has a ton of experience gets you a bat it also feels like the reports that we're getting that click and crane didn't get along because crane wanted to spend whatever money that he could and told james to do so and james click still had that tampa bay mentality where he wanted to do everything at the dollar store it sure does feel like this yeah. offseason is going to be different, right? It feels like Crane is just going to say, okay, what does it take? I'm going to write a check. Done. It does. And usually it's the general manager who wants to spend and the owner who wants to pull the first strings and hold on to the money. But Jim Crane clearly is someone who is not just satisfied with winning another title. He, he wants back-to-back. -back. Like He didn't bring Dusty back, oh, you know, Dusty's a good guy. He's a baseball guy. We're going to bring him back. No, he brought Dusty back with one goal, to win a second World Series title back-to-back. -back. And, and honestly, that should worry the league because now not only is Jim Crane full throttle with Dusty, but he's full throttle with this team. And I don't think Justin Verlander is out of the mix, but even if Justin Verlander walks, this team with an added Rizzo or they're even looking at Abreu out of Chicago – whoever they add is going to be the right move for this team because the Astros aren't slowing down anytime soon. And I really think that Jim Crane wants to spend the money. And if he wants to spend the money, Daddy Crane's got it. He's got plenty of it, right? And 
it does feel that way. This feel this offseason feels different because it feels like you said they want to go back to back. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to spend some money. And they looking like at Rizzo. Abreu obviously is a guy that they flirted with trying to get in the past, right, five years ago and then again at this year at the trade deadline. What's the likelihood that they are able to get someone like Abreu who is a little bit older but can still produce? I think that would be a really good fit for this team as well, simply because you have the Cuban connection with Abreu. You could have Abreu and Yuli kind of team up at first base. They wouldn't have to play every single game. You could alternate them at DH as well, along with um, along with Jordan Alvarez, who I think will play a majority in left field. But you're going to want to give the big, you know, the big fella some rest. And you know, a lot of people aren't talking about Michael Brantley. I don't see Michael Brantley signing with anybody else. I, I really have a hard time seeing Michael Brantley as comfortable and as settled in as as he is to his family um, in the Sugarland area, which is a suburb of Houston. I see Brantley re-signing here on a pretty team-friendly deal for the most part because of the injury situation. He's getting a little older. But if you can bring back Brantley, you can sign Abreu, and you can bring back Yuli. I know there's a lot of people that are out on Yuli because of what kind of regular season he had, but he still commands a presence in the locker room. And those two players, both being from Cuba, having this Cuban connection, is really a big deal. And chemistry matters, and we saw it this year in the postseason for the Houston Astros. We're talking with Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's switch over to pitching. Montero, some people said, hey, that seems like a lot of money for a reliever. What do you make of that three-year deal? You know, I don't I don't mind it. Look, I, I understand the whole regression in the in the third year kind of mentality. But, look, when Edwin Diaz set the market for closers with that record-setting closer deal, you knew that Montero was going to get a key payday. And I think his market value was like 8.1 or, or 9, and they, they overpaid about 3 or 4 per year. But they gave him $34 million. It's not like they gave him $100 million over three years. I think it's fine. Montero is the – I mean, he is the model of consistency. And some people say, well, then why, did the, then why did the Mariners put him on waivers? Well, the Mariners put him on waivers because they couldn't get him to do what they needed him to do. And whatever the Astros pitching coaches have done, I've, they pretty much fixed him outside of a little bit of a rough go in game five of the World Series. For the most part, this dude was, was a surefire bet when he hit the mound. He has a camaraderie with the team. Again, people forget about chemistry what Montero and Neres and Javier and all these guys when they were in the bullpen throughout the season what they built up and what they have together um, is something you can't replicate and they weren't going to go out and get a free agent reliever to replace Montero that had the same value and could fit right in once the season starts so I think you keep him in house I don't mind paying a little extra for him I think he's deserved it I think he's earned it is there really going to be a scenario where we see a guy in Justin Verlander who came to Houston, helped them win two titles, in many ways became one of the faces of the franchise, 
and stuck with the franchise after Tommy John surgery and came back after Tommy John, is he really going to go and sign with the Yankees or the Dodgers, two of the teams that have hated on the Astros and their fans have hated on the Astros as much as they have? Could you really see Verlander go do that? You know, I have a hard time believing that he goes to the Yankees. Um, especially after his comments, right? After he made the comments about Yankee fans booing their own players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I just – I find it very difficult. And honestly, if Rizzo leaves the Yankees, if Judge leaves the Yankees, Justin Verlander's definitely not going back. I think the only reason why Justin would go there is if they're signing those two guys and maybe adding some players. I see Justin, if he he defects or if he leaves, if he he leaves Houston – I think he goes to the West Coast, either the Giants or the Dodgers. At the end of the day, I think Justin Verlander is just your ultimate kind of baseball guy. And if the price is right, he may walk for 40 or $42 million. But who knows? Jim Crane and Justin Verlander have a very good relationship. And they are very close. And, and I, I, in interacting with Jim Crane and his wife on a couple occasions at games, they speak highly of the Verlanders. I mean, they talk about the Verlanders like they are have been family friends their entire life. So that that may play into the mix. If Justin Verlander does go, I think it's to be closer to Kate Upton's family. Her family's on the West Coast. His brother's on the West Coast. It may be more of a family decision. But I have a hard time thinking he'll go to the Dodgers or Yankees. I, I think, I don't know, like, where, where else would he go, though, right? Where else would he go where they're going to pay him the money? Is he going to go to San Francisco? Because the they Giants. Like they're going to sign Judge. Well, and it looks like the Giants are going to be – they're determined to, to spend a slew of money, right? They, they, it, feel, it feels like they, they want to spend all the money this offseason. So, you know, and it's a well-run organization. They have World Series championships, so you're not going to a, a team that's not a contender, right? I mean, especially if they add a couple of pieces. I don't know. It's just It's just a weird thing. I feel like, and look, I have no inside information, right? I'm just a guy right. on the radio. But it feels like to me, Verlander has won a second World Series. He won a World Series game finally. He's going to win the Cy Young this week. Came back from Tommy John. I think now he's looking at it as, not to say that he's not a competitor, but now he gets an opportunity to have one last massive payday. And I, I think, and there's nothing wrong with that being his motivation either, especially at the age of 39, I can't blame the guy, but it sure does feel like it's going to be more about maybe the bottom line when it comes to money than it is if he's going to go to a contender. Yeah, and that and that may be the case because who in their right mind at the age of 39 would turn down $42 million or $40 million as opposed to 32 or 35? And, of course, you and I are sitting here common people – talking about millions of dollars and the difference of four or five million dollars what really does it make what difference does it make but if you had that kind of earning potential no one in the right mind would turn that down now i think if it's a ridiculous offer but it is from a team that is completely out of the playoff picture that has no postseason aspirations i don't think justin verlander goes that deep into it like i don't think he goes back to detroit detroit's a mess baltimore Um, though could be an option Baltimore is in play. Baltimore's in play for JV. 
I think Baltimore is in play for someone like Carlos Correa. I agree. You know, you've got former Astros executives over there. You also got the former assistant GM in, in, um, in Pete Patilla in San Francisco. Um, you've got, I mean, you've got all kinds of teams. You've got Ozzo Campo, who now is with the Marlins. You've got Astros, um, like, I, I guess they were Padawan. Now they become Jet, you know, Jedis with other clubs. So there are several options JV can take. I know here in Houston, it's funny. People in Houston said, bring them back. But they also say, ah, if you want that much money, see you, JV. It's been nice. So <laughs> there's not a whole lot of people that are super attached to him. It's really odd. Rap, well, he spent the last two years not really being with the team because of Tommy John. So they had and to. That's true. Right, they had to force to 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 start going on, uh, moving on to somebody else, and you have great young talent. Let me ask you this: If you miss out on JV, and let's say he goes to the Giants or the O's, we'll wrap it up with this: Who does this team target? Because Jim Crane loves making deals. Went after, got Grinky, got Garrett Cole, got Verlander. He, uh, you know, he's not one to to rest. I know they love Framer and they love Christian and and that rotation. They do, but I don't see them saying, "Okay, we're not going to get anybody." If they don't get JV, who do they get? They could make a play for Jacob Degrom, Carlos Rodon, or Chris Bassett. Those are three viable options. Now, the least likely of the three, I think, is Rodon because of things he said about the Astros in the past. Bassett, I like him because he had a very good season in New York, and he was with the Oakland A's, and so he's been with one of your opponents you see the most. Of course, that changes this year. The schedule changes. And Jacob DeGrom, don't don't be surprised if at some point the Astros don't get in on at least talking to DeGrom because having a DeGrom here and paying him a little bit of money, you know, younger, um, and getting him in this rotation because you would have six, seven starters. You, you, you know, you had nine starters last year. They're going to do a hybrid system, I think, next year where you're going to see a lot of starters piggyback. I think those three names are names that you cannot count the Astros out on and that Jim Crane would be smart to go after because right now Jim Crane has three assistants, one of them at the point man, but make no mistake about it, Jim Crane is also Jim Crane the GM. That is correct. Brett, appreciate your time, bud. As always, keep up the tremendous work that you're doing with the Locked On Astros podcast, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Yeah, thank you so much, and thank you all for everybody in Louisiana for listening to us. And, hey, go Raging Cajuns. Oh, look at what he did there. we got to take a timeout. When we return, speaking of those Raging Cajuns, Coach Dez will be joining us. Team coming off a big win, gets to five wins on the season. Only one went away from bowl eligibility, and they got a trip to Florida State on Saturday. We'll talk all about it with Coach Dez. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. 180! What's up? Raging Cajuns head football coach Michael Desimo joins RP3 and company to talk all things Vermillion and White. It's time for Hashtag UL Culture with Coach Dez. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning, Raymond. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, bud. I'm doing well. Let's go back to last week's game. It's the regular season home finale. It's a special night for a lot of the guys. It's a Thursday night game. You're on national TV, and 
your team goes out there and, well, just executes in all three phases, defense, special teams, and offense. Talk about the effort and just talk about how proud you were you guys went out there and executed the game plan and played one of your best games of the year. Yeah, you know, I mean, all year you, you kind of felt like we had we had a team that was getting better, you know, and they, they were working – you know, they were working really hard week in and week out uh, to go out there and go play well. We just, you know, we just, we just had some things that just kind of slipped away from us at times and, and just haven't consistently been able to, uh, you know, to kind of put it all together. And, um, you know, after you know, after the Troy game when you felt like we really just let one slip away um, from us and we had an opportunity to go out there and go win that game on senior night and, and really, you know, feel good about where we were and where we were finishing the season and let it slip – you know, I, truthfully, I was a little worried about how we'd respond uh, coming back in on Sunday, knowing that we had a short week and we had to bounce back. But, you know, our this team, these players are just, they're, you know, they just, they, every day, man, they, they just kind of impress me more and more. They just came in there Sunday and they had their, you know, sitting in the team meeting room, notebooks out, pens ready to go. You know, what, what's the plan this week? How are we going to go win? And, and they did a, an, an unbelievable job of executing the plan and, uh, they wanted to win more than more than Georgia Southern did. I mean, that's that's what it came down to. They wanted that game more than the, than the other team, and uh, they went out there and got it. Thirty-six seventeen win over Georgia Southern. They entered that game as the Sun Belt Conference's top-ranked offense and top-ranked passing offense, and you held them to only two touchdowns in this ball game. Defensively, your guys played lights out. Andre Jones, Zion Hill, Green. Braylon Trahan and others. I, I mean, when your defense plays that way, uh, you're you guys are, are tough to beat, Coach. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel like our defense has played well for most of the year. Um, you know, we like everybody, we've had some spots where we haven't played great. You know, but uh, for the most part, that group has really kind of carried us, particularly earlier in the year, whenever. Offensively, we're struggling to run the ball a little bit, you know, kind of trying to find out who we were and trying to get a little rhythm. Uh, those guys really kept us in games and gave us an opportunity to win some games. So, um, you know, I'm not surprised they played really well. But, you know, when you play an offense like Georgia Southern and watching them, I mean, they were, you know, they, they were they were pretty dynamic. They were scoring a lot of points. They were, uh, you know, spreading the ball around. They were running the ball effectively. They were throwing it really well. So. Uh, I was I was very proud of our defense. I think they they've just shown up week in and week out, and you know, and that's that's what you need, man. You got to play great defense to have a chance to win. I've said this before. Sometimes players just need to know that the team has their back or their coach has their back, and to give them an opportunity to shine and to prove that they belong. And and I think. And I firmly believe, I don't think, I firmly believe that's what you and your staff have done with Kenny Almaderas, who's had some up and downs. And you put him in that ball game and you say, hey, go get us some points. And he gets you 15 of them, right? Five field goal performance. You know, what does that do from a player's perspective as you were a, a, a great player yourself when the coach believes in you, even when you've had some struggles and still believes in you to get the job done and to, and to go out there and help the team win? Well, you know, I mean, we've all – when you 
when you play the game, you're going to have ups and downs, and you're going to you're going to have games where you you know where you kick five field goals, man, and you're on top of the world, and you're going to have games where you know where you miss some big ones. Um, that's the reality of playing the game, and the 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 fact of the matter is that Kenny earned the starting position. You know, he he earned it. Um, you know, we go through fall camp, and and he doesn't win the battle. Um, he doesn't. You know, go in the transfer portal. He doesn't pout. He doesn't come sit in my office and tell me why he should have been the kicker. He doesn't complain. He doesn't, you know, I mean, he's a, he shows up every day. He's a great teammate. He's got a smile on his face. Ends up winning the job back. Um, and he's made some kicks for us, you know, throughout his career. And, you know, he's got a job to do for us. And I trust Kenny to do his job. When, when he has a rough game, I mean, look, I'm as surprised as anybody. You know, I mean, I'm you know, I expect the guy to go out there and go make every one of them. I know it's not reality, but that's the kind of faith that I have in him. So um, I'm proud of him because, you know, I mean, he just, like I said, the guy goes out there and just does his job every every day, you know, at practice. He goes out there, he competes. We put him in tough situations. We put him in pressure situations. We do two-minute drills, game on the line. Um, you know, we, we, we kick against Rush. You know, I mean, he – he does it every day in practice, so you just you expect him to uh, you expect him to go out there and have success. And fortunately for us, he was able to. Offensively, your line got a little bit healthier. You got a couple guys back in Thursday's game, and it, it made the difference. And you've been telling us about this as well. You know, this offensive line having the time to gel, having the time to come together, and being healthy. It all starts up front, and that was on display yet again on Thursday. Uh, when your offensive line is healthy and intact, this offense really goes to another level, doesn't it, Coach? Yeah, I mean, it does. You know, we, we've got good backs. Um, our quarterback play has been good. We've got receivers out there that do a great job in one-on-one situations and win. Um, you know, it, it just – when you're two-dimensional on offense and you can run it and throw it effectively, it just – man, it, just, it makes you different, you know. Uh when you're all one way or the other, I think it's, it, it becomes increasingly difficult. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, those other guys get coached too. They've got scholarships too, and they've got good players too. So, you know, if they know you're going to throw it every down, well, that, that's a little bit tougher. When they know you're going to run it every down, that's, you know, that, that makes it makes it hard. So, for us, um, getting these guys a little bit healthier at the end of the year and kind of getting them to play together um, throughout the course of the year has been certainly been a good thing for us. Um you know, and even against Troy, whenever we were missing a couple of starters, uh, I thought our backup guys played great, you know, on the offensive line. And we've got some of those guys that are growing up and playing really, really well. So, you know, we're excited about that offensive line group that uh, that we got playing right now. Um, those guys are competing really hard, and they're getting better week in and week out. And, you know, our running backs, truthfully, are, are playing really good right now. So, um, you know, we just got to kind of keep that momentum going right here. You know, as you try to go out there and go finish the season really strong with two games left, get in the postseason, go and play and go and try to win a bowl game. I mean, you, you just want you want everything clicking at the end of the year. And let's talk about Saturday's game at Florida State, ranked in the top twenty-five in the polls and in the top and in the college football playoff rankings. What's the mindset going into that game in Tallahassee, Coach? Well, I mean, go and try to get bowl eligible this week. You know, I mean, that's the 
that's the mindset. You know, every week you go out there and go play. You, you try to prepare to win. And, um, you know, certainly they're a really good football team. But, you know, we're not we're not going there for anything other than to go compete and go try to win go get the sixth bowl game. What's the message to the team this final two weeks, Coach? We'll wrap it up with this because you still have everything in front of you. You can still get to a bowl game, like you said, and uh, get that extra game that's always so important for these kids, especially those seniors that you have on the team. So what's the message going to be these last two weeks at Florida State and at Texas State? Well, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's what's in front of us right here. You know, I mean, you're going to go out there and you want to continue to get better. I mean, the thing I tell them, is don't get tired of the work, you know. Don't don't get tired of of working. Don't get tired of making improvement. Don't get tired of getting better. Don't get tired of the details because, you know, at the end of the day, no matter who they are, whether they're seniors that are trying to go on, trying to do something at the next level, um, they need to continue to work. They need to continue to get better. If it's players that we have that are coming back for next year, they need to continue to get better. And you know, these last, you know depending on, you know, you win and get to a bowl game, four or five weeks that you have as a team where you're able to practice and continue to develop, those are critical weeks. I mean, it's critical practices. I mean, five weeks, that's, that's longer than, than a spring ball session. You know, I mean, you get 15 practices in spring. So, you know, you, you look at it that way, it's, it's critical uh, for our team's development and for our players' development and even the older players. So, you know, it's a uh, – it's something that you want really, really badly for these seniors because they deserve it. They've, they've worked really hard to get an opportunity to become bowl eligible. Um, they want to play that 13th game. They want to earn one more, um, and we want to do that for them. But for our team, it, it, it's huge for us in the long run because, you know, that's more practice time. That's more uh, development time, and it's, it's something that, you know, I think that's irreplaceable, to be honest with you, um, in the long run. I think the teams that are consistently in the postseason – you know, you, you've got an advantage because you, you do get those extra practice weeks and days and, uh, you know, in the long run, that helps the team. Coach, appreciate your time as always, brother. Congrats on the win. Best of luck in Tallahassee this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, bud. Thank you. Thank you. We got to take a timeout when we return here on RP3 and Company. We'll talk a little LSU football. Hear from Coach Brian Kelly. That's next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man, if you're looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes. 
for your loved ones. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Here's the deal. We're not going to tell anyone that you didn't pay for them. We're not going to let your loved ones know that. They don't need to know that you won them. A gift is a gift. That's all that matters. And we want to help you out with those stocking stuffers. But you can only score them by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Already putting together the Christmas list. We're supposed to be getting together as a family this week, by the way, and making up our Christmas list. I've been told this by my wife that Hattie will be making up her list for Santa. And then I've been instructed that I, in fact, need to come up with a list of things because I'm the worst about this. Like my wife and my daughter ask me every year, hey, babe, or hey, daddy, what would you like for Christmas? And I'm like, I got y'all. I'm good. They don't like that answer. They're like, yeah. oh, that's sweet, but what do you want? <laughs> yeah, my, my family does not like Kenneth's answer of, I don't need anything. I just want to spend time with you. There he goes. There yeah, he yep, sorry. Love you a lot. No. <laughs> that's not the right answer. So I have to go and think of things myself well, well, look, for him. I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. So I, I don't really ask for a lot, but I will, you know, we went we went a little scouting. We went to uh, Academy on Sunday because someone wanted to spend her hard-earned money on a pair of walkie-talkies. Cobra walkie-talkies that are pink. So she spent her hard-earned money, $25, and ever since then, it's been walkie-talkie time in the Parch household. Come in. Hmm. Over. I'm in the bathroom. Over. (laughs) I'm in the laundry room. Over. Dad, can you hear me? Over. I'm like, yes. Yes, sweetheart. I, I hear you over and out and oh yeah no I'm, I'm trying to teach her how to get the lingo but no I, I saw some things at academy took some pictures i will be making sure my list is proper for this week for the family so they know what i would like to get yeah i just frustrate kenneth and i go okay your christmas, your christmas present from so-and-so's ordered and he goes i don't want anything can i take it back no you can take it back it's not allowed <laughs> so i think it's like things he needs and then I tell my like grandparents and like my my stepmom and my mom and tell like this is what Kenneth will need, which is basically just work clothes and shoes that don't have holes in them because the dog likes his shoes for some reason. We have no idea. The dog takes out the soles of the shoe. Yes. We have no idea how he does it. Oh, that's easy. I, th- I, I used to have dogs that do that too. I don't, I don't understand. Like why? <laughs> you have a whole shoe. And you're like, nah. I want the sole. I don't understand. Because it, it, it has the, the most scent on it. So that's, that's why. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Probably his shoes. Mine don't really get eaten up as much. Okay. So you need to get new shoes for Kenneth. Yep. Go ahead and put that on your list. I already ordered them. There we go. And tell Santa to make sure to bring uh, Kenneth <laughs> a pair, new yeah. pair of shoes so the dog mm-hmm. will not destroy them. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on James, who's been patiently waiting. James, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're being safe out there on those wet roads today. What's on your mind, bud? Oh, no, I'm good, Mr. RP3. I've been at work for an hour. There we go. You, you got Miss Hannah so upset this morning that, you know, she, she took the phone off the hook and hadn't been answering the phone for the last hour. So I want to talk about the Saints. Hope, go ahead, hopefully, bud. She, hopefully she's calmed down enough now that you can take your finger off the dump button. I'm sure you had it there, you know, just expecting her to go off. 
She turned she turned into the female foot for a little bit, but it scared me. I'm not gonna lie to you. It scared me a little bit. Yeah, she did. Hey, well, first off, congratulations to your uh, Washington, you know, no-name commando Redskins team. <laughs> Whatever you know, they're called. The only problem is they're going <laughs> to probably create an annoying Larry Zonka, you know, drinking champagne sighting again this year. They already did. I saw it on social media last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's already been there, unfortunately, but, bud. But, but, but with the Saints, I'll keep it short and simple. I, I love my Saints. I'm not giving up on them. I'm not giving up on them for this season, even though I'm close, but I'm not giving up on them for the long run. But I just got to say, we're really kind of spoiled if you think about it. The Saints have been around for 50 years. Take out Archie Manning, take out Drew Brees. We haven't had very many good quarterbacks. You go back and look, we had Kenny Stabler, a couple of Bobby Joes, John Forcade, Steve Walsh, Mike Buck, Wade Wilson, Heath Schuler. Danny Werfel, Doug Nussmeyer, I could go on and on and on. Aaron Brooks, Ian Book. I mean, we need a quarterback, right? We got to build around a quarterback. We got to go find the next guy, and he's not on our roster. I, look, I, I would agree with that. I don't think the guy that's going to be the quarterback moving forward is even on the roster. To be perfectly frank with you, I, I don't see them having Jameis or Andy on the the roster for next season. And it'll be interesting to see, though, if Mickey Loomis and company actually take a guy in maybe the second round or if Sean Payton decides to go coach again, they get a late first-round pick for him. Let's say Payton goes to the Chargers, for an example. Do you use that on a quarterback? I don't know. They've, they've only drafted one quarterback in the first two rounds, and that was Archie. That's it. That's it. They never do it. They never do it. So did he go after a free agent instead? I mean, they've tried to do that the last couple of years. It hasn't worked out. So I don't know where they go at quarterback. Yeah, and no, I agree, but they have to do something, right? Drew Brees was a second-round pick. We got lucky and got him, and that, that shoulder miraculously healed up with old uh, the wizard Andrews up there, you know, did his work on him. Oh, yeah. But we need a quarterback. If you if just Google Saints starting quarterbacks over the years, you'd be amazed. we we, we got to get a quarterback. We're just spoiled. Drew Brees stayed a couple of years too long. But God bless him. He was great. We just need a quarterback. I hear you, brother. I hear you. I appreciate the phone call, James. Enjoy your day at work, bud. And, but it is going to be interesting to see where they're going to get said quarterback. Right? I just, I don't know. When I think of the guys that could possibly be free agents, eh? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, mm, eh? Jared Goff, maybe, if the Lions part ways with him, eh? I mean, that, that's what you're looking at. So you're not even looking at a, a Drew Brees type, what Drew was in San Diego before he became, when he became a free agent. I don't even think you see that out there. So what are your options, I guess, is the big question. And I don't think they have a ton. And you may have to actually see the Saints actually have to go through the process. And look, look at Denver. They thought they had a Super Bowl contending team and they just added a quarter, uh, quarterback. They didn't get any better. They got worse. I saw the stat. If the Broncos would simply average 18.1 points a game, which is not a lot of points, they'd be 8-1. and one. Think about that. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. But they would just score 18 points 
a game, they'd be one of the best teams in the NFL. And Seattle's found something with Geno, revitalized his career. A, a name to keep mindful of for a possible quarterback of the future is Derek Carr an option? The Raiders quarterback. He's a veteran guy, could probably use a change of scenery. Josh McDaniels is seemingly determined on ruining him. Maybe that drives the price down a little bit. Maybe you get your hands on Derek Carr. We'll see. But the Saints are going to have to do something. But once again, quarterback, yeah. But if the play calling doesn't get better and the defense doesn't get better, it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. Got to take a timeout. Wrap up hour number two next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. So there's a story behind the walkie-talkies. So my wife told Hattie that she had to stay in her budget. She was giving our friend Candace from church money for Hattie to use to go shopping with because they were going to go shopping on Sunday after church. And somehow she ended up giving our friend like $20 or $25 and said, hey, if Hattie goes over, this is fine. Just go ahead and take care of it. Well, apparently Tina's message to Hattie was so much that the reason why we had to go back to Academy to get the pink walkie-talkies was because she refused to go out of her budget because her mama told her, you can't go over budget. So because <laughs> she thought she only had like 10 or $15 to spend, <laughs> and she even argued with our friend from church, Candace, and was like, no, my mommy said I can't spend more than what I have. So Tina feels like it was a mom fail, but immensely proud our daughter said no she had the opportunity our friend gave her the green light to go ahead and spend more money than she actually thought she had and our daughter was like nah our eight-year-old is more fiscally responsible than many people i know <laughs> so where that may feel like a mom fail but i feel like that's yeah, a big win i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it that's a big win for us poll question of the day Give you an update on that. Who has been LSU's biggest breakout offensive player this season? 54% of you earlier had said Jaden Daniels, and that's still where we sit. 54% say Jaden Daniels. 24% say Josh Williams. 11% for Malik Neighbors. 11% for Will Campbell. Once again, I will just point out that without the rapid development of the starting left tackle, Will Campbell, a true freshman, Jane Daniels doesn't have the season he has. Josh Williams doesn't have the season he has. And Malik Neighbors doesn't have the season he has. I'm just saying. Just saying. Ton on Twitter says Campbell's been beyond oppressive. Meanwhile, RP3 walks into work this morning after his commanders beat the undefeated Eagles. <laughs> and then Robert Duplachan shares a vintage gif of Ric Flair dancing and profiling in the ring. Ralph says Jane Daniels has been an efficient game manager and a little better passer than I thought lately, though, Josh Williams has won really hard and picked up big first downs. SEC wish champs. Hashtag no chicken broth. Hashtag we want gumpo. I love it. I love it. And 
JPK, the OD, says, Jaden, plus I think his dad was famous. Hashtag crab man. That's going to do it for hour number two. We'll kick off hour number three with Jim Gozolo of the Lake Charles American Press. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We've spent all morning talking about the Saints, reacting to the Saints, in particular what Dennis Allen had to say when he said, you know, it's time for some sense of urgency around here, I'm paraphrasing, which made Hannah Five Names go full-on Kevin Foote and seize the microphone. <laughs> We've talked a lot about that. We've talked college football as well. But, hey, let's give a shout-out. Haven't had a chance to do this yet. Northwestern State, Southland Conference, they took down a – nationally ranked number 15 ranked TCU team on the road 64-63 the start of basketball season has been absolutely bananas it just has it has been a weird start to the season for college hoops I know we don't pay a lot of attention to them right now because we're still in the middle of college football and we have the NFL and we, most people really don't pay attention to college basketball until, well, until they start filling out their brackets, if we're being perfectly honest. But think about this. Florida State, who's always a perennial team in the bracket, 0-3 with losses to Stetson. Yes, spelled the same way as the hat or cologne. UCF and Troy. Louisville always a perennial national title contender, is 0-2 with losses to Bellarmine. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And Wright State. Florida Atlantic University has defeated Florida. UC Irvine has beaten Oregon. And now Northwestern State has defeated TCU. It's the biggest win for the Northwestern State Demons since the shot against Iowa back in the 2006 NCAA tournament, better known as the Demons of Destiny. Unbelievable start to hoop season. Unbelievable. Had to get that in. Now it's time for us to talk about the Southland Conference with a man who covers a team that plays in that conference. You know him as the host of the Meanies Coaches Show, also as the host of Poke Nation. Also, as the Lake Charles American Press beat reporter covering McNeese Athletics, he's a multimedia superstar. Jim Gazzolo joins us now. Jim, good morning. How are you? Um, I'm, you, you put on such a display of vitality that I'm wearing sunglasses that it's raining. That's how, that's how powerful I am thanks to your voice. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hey, you, you, didn't mention, you didn't mention Sam Houston beating Oklahoma. Oh, I didn't. You're right. I was the one that fell through the cracks. <laughs> That's it, not even an upset anymore. No, not anymore. Not anymore. 
it, it wouldn't be that much of an upset in football either. So, not the way things oh, are going. <laughs> oh, for Boomer Sooner this year, not, 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 not quality. All right, let's talk about McNeese football because they go on the road. They take down the fighting CVSs, Houston Christian <laughs> University. And at the pharmacy, yes. Yes, at the, at the they, they they should they should so nickname their football stadium the pharmacy. I mean, that's just would be phenomenal. <laughs> and look, I, I get Houston Christian's not very good, but when you're trying to build something and you're trying to lay a foundation, a win is a win no matter what. They lean on their rushing attack. The quarterback play wasn't very good. Roberts had three picks, but they were able to run for almost three hundred yards in this ball game. They get the win. They placed out defense. What do you make of what McNeese was able to do on the road in Houston? Well, I think it's what we figured. I think a lot of people figured that this is how the season would be. It'd be it'd be top heavy, tough uh, when you play. You know, you look at them. Their losses, three losses to nationally ranked teams on the FCS level, a loss to Rice. So that's four or seven losses. Um, but you look at the last five games. They've won two, they've had a chance to win two, and and they have a chance to win a third. So their last five games, they go after the bye week, they played pretty well, um, or or better. They they still don't have a football, a quarterback that they can lead on. But the defense has improved. Um, They've really been running heavy. They just, you know, the difference is, and you saw it last year at the last game of the year. This group of seniors didn't quit, and that's the biggest difference. Didn't quit. They're able to run the football very effectively. Uh, The backup running back comes in, and he's named the LSWA Offensive Player of the Week and the Southland Conference Player of the Week. Why are they able to run the football so effectively, especially since the halfway point of the season? What's changed? I, I think they have power running backs. Obviously, getting Coleman back on the offensive line helps. The offensive line got better. And, and your offensive line, when it starts to gel, especially a young offensive line, is always better with the run because it, it, it wants to fire out. It wants to be aggressive. I like to say is that, that's pushing the sled instead of dancing. And they're better at pushing the sled. And you've got good blocking downfield, and you have just enough – of a crack to that. And, and let's face it, Deontay McMahon's been probably he's been the best rusher in the league. Outside of Lindsey Scott, he might be the best offensive weapon in the league. What do we make of the quarterback play? Because you're asking the young man to come into a situation making his first start. It's on the road. Uh, he had a couple of throws that were nice, but obviously he had a couple that he'd like to have back. They've played four different quarterbacks this season, right? Knox Kadem, yes. Cam Ransom, Walker Wood, and now Ryan Roberts. Are any four of those guys the quarterback next season? Uh, no. The uh, I can tell you that the starting quarterback of the East State University is not on the roster. If it is, we got problems. How's that? Uh, but Ryan Roberts, you know, he threw, he could not throw into the wind. There was 30, 35-mile-an-hour gusts. Um, all of his picks were into the wind. But he also had two drop touchdown passes. He had a drop touchdown pass against Eastern Illinois. 
Gary Goff said it best. We have to help a young quarterback out, and we don't have people making plays downfield to help the young guy out. But he still can't throw some of those throws. He was trying to throw the one ball away, got caught up in the wind. Um, but you can't make those turnovers. Of their 24 turnovers this year, Ooh. 21 have been by the quarterback, either interceptions or, in Cam Ransom's case, fumbles. So when the guy who's got the ball the most is turning the ball over the most at an alarming rate, that's not good. And the fact that they've been able to find ways to win games here of late in spite of those turnovers is impressive. The defense also has seemingly progressed as the season has gone along as well. Once again, I understand the competition, Eastern Illinois, Houston Christian, the fighting CVS is is not exactly a bunch of world beaters, but what's been the difference in your opinion, Jim, in the second half of the season with the defense? Well, the, the secondary got some experience, and that, that's a big deal. And this really started with Nichols. They could have won the game at Nichols, and they should have won the game against Southeastern, except for a missed extra point. Eh, don't remind me of those things. And um, <laughs> what really happens is the secondary just got, you know, it was playing a lot of freshmen. And they just got better because they got to see playing time. Uh, Crajon Bennett is the guy everybody talks about. He's a true freshman out of Iowa. He's had a great second half of the year because he had to. It was, he got thrown in. He was supposed to redshirt the whole year, wasn't supposed to play. And then all of a sudden he's starting at cornerback. And they picked on him early. And he got beat. And he came back, and he's gotten better. And that's a big difference. Uh, the linebacking play has been very good. The defensive line has been so-so. But I also think that let's, let's not make too much out of the schedule flipped on them. <laughs> and they've taken advantage of situations and games that they could win. How important is Saturday's game? It's the regular season finale. It's also the rivalry game with Lamar. How important is it for McNeese to win that game and end the season with four wins and winning their final three games? I think it's huge for this reason. It would be the first three-game winning streak since 2019. It would show obvious progress. It's something you can hang your hat on. Hey, we won our last three games, almost beat Southeastern, play Nichols close. You could say the last five games, we win three, we are in two. Okay, that's good. Also, let me ask you this. You were at the last game last year against Northwestern State. How important was that bad game? Look what all it led to. Uh, So it's important to leave a good taste in the mouth of of the fans. It's important, I think, to be able to go on the road recruiting-wise and say, look, trust the process. And you're also, you know, and, and we don't talk as much about this, is you're also selling your program to all those possible transfer portal kids who are sitting there going, do I want to come back for this? Or is there really something here that I want to stick around for? That's that's the biggest recruiting tool they got right now would be a win. We're talking with the great one, Jim Gazzolo. He covers the McNeese Cowboys for the late Charles American Press. He's also host of the McNeese Coaches Show and Poke Nation. He joins us here at RP3 and Company. Lamar's not having what we would call an optimal season either. <laughs> You're nice. 
Yeah, it's a very, very nice way of saying that they've been bad. Oh, uh, yes. What do they do? They do they have any playmakers that could be kind of sneaky and kind of disrupt McNeese's plans of finishing out the season on a three-game winning streak? No, <laughs> not real. No, I, 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 uh, this this game will be about because McNeese take it seriously. I, look, Lamar. They had two wins last year. They've got one win this year. Uh, it was a conference win, by the way. So it's interesting. The loser of this game ties um, the fighting CVSs for last place. So you don't want to be in last place. But when you look at Lamar, they're very young. Um, might be the youngest team in the history of the conference. Um, I don't know their coaching situation. I would imagine it's not good after three years and five wins. Uh, so there's just not it, – it's just – I don't know what's going on there, but it's just – it's not working. And, uh, you know, they won one game of the whack. They come back to the Southland, and conceivably they're going to win one game. Um, I think that this is a game that McNeese should win and, and quite frankly, has to win. I know it's a, it's a rivalry game. And you were also – I think you were there the last time the two teams played when McNeese lost this game in overtime at home. Uh, you can't do that. You can't finish seasons with a loss to Lamar in overtime and a loss to Northwestern State last year and then come back and lose to Lamar again. These are games that you're supposed to win. They're rivalry games. And you, quite frankly, you need to win them if you're going to get to where you want to be. Do you believe they'll get the job done Saturday night in the hole and take down Lamar? I think they'll run. I think especially with Deontay McMahon being healthy, I think they'll be able to run the football. I think they'll control the game, and I think they'll win roughly the same way they won against uh, uh, at the pharmacy last week at the drive-through. It's actually the drive-through. You see the drive-through from these stands. Pharmacy sounds better. We're here at the pharmacy. Get loud at the pharmacy. No, no, I don't think there's any other place where at halftime you can walk over to your prescription filled and come back and see the second half. I can just hear the PA announcer now. Time to get your prescription filled for defense. <laughs> get loud. Ticket 1822 is ready. Ticket 1822 <laughs> is ready. And he just randomly says <laughs> prescription orders are ready. Oh, uh, <laughs> Jim. Appreciate your time, as always, brother. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll talk to you next week. I'll talk to you next week. I'll see you Saturday, bud. Oh, excitement. Uh, yes. You're not going to do the double, though. No, I gotta, um, I've been asked to uh, dress up as the uh, the jolly one for somebody's that needs, work. That needs pictures, by the way. Oh, there'll that be pictures. Pictures. I'll be decked out. Rocking the beard and the whole nine yards. Will you actually be in a sleigh? <laughs> I'll be in a big chair and trying not to frighten children. Yes, that that's what I'll be doing <laughs> Saturday hey, afternoon. That's all you can do. <laughs> Try not to frighten the children. Yes, but I'll yeah. see you. I'll, but I'll see you afterwards, my friend. Okay, I want you to do me one favor, though. Okay, tell one kid at some point in time. You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> Just for you. Just for you, brother. All right. Thank you. <laughs> That's Jim Gazzola of the Lake Charles American Press.
He's also the host of the Mid-East Coaches Show, which you can listen to live every Wednesday night starting at 6 o'clock right here on The Game as we broadcast live from Maplewood Burgers every single Wednesday with Jim Gazzolo as the host, talking all things Cowboys. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite quartz and marble here in Acadiana. And Chris and his team at LMG, they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. And as as you've heard me tell you before, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free shower line. That's right. No muss, no fuss. And guess what? No smelly odor to deal with after a few years. Make sure to visit their website today, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the tremendous products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Dennis Allen spoke to the media yesterday, and, you know, we played a few of his clips earlier today, so I want to revisit that because of just the reaction of the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. We could spend this time chatting up, dancing with the stars. Semifinals were last night. But you know what? No, no. Her visceral reaction to what the head coach of the New Orleans Saints had to say is something I want to revisit because it is priceless. He said a lot of things. Well, no, he really doesn't say anything when he, when he opens his mouth. But he did say this about the message for his team this week after they failed a 3-7 and seven overall. Well, yeah, the message a little bit this week was, was man, let's have fun playing this game. Um, but I told the team in there today that the, the message now is, is man, there's got to be a sense of urgency. There's got to be a sense of urgency in everything that we do. We've got to get some things corrected, and there has to be a sense of urgency about doing that. And, and, and what we've done to this point has not been good enough. And so – if we keep doing the same things and expect it to be different, that's the definition of insanity. So um, we've got to change the way we prepare. We've got to change the way we get, the way we get ready to play a game. That's coaches, players, that's all of us. Um, you know, because it, it, it hasn't been, you know, up to the standard that we've had here. You hate me. <laughs> the man literally sat there, stood there at the podium yesterday. And said, hold up. I told the guys, you know, I, I, you know, my message has been having fun, but I told them, you know, today 
that this week it's about yeah, there's got to be a sense of urgency around here. Nah. <laughs> Just takes all of your veteran players, the ones you don't want to throw the ball to or give the ball to to do anything. It says them to go, hey, we are not a good football team. We have no swagger. We don't know how to play football. But you know what? Our coach says, let's wait. So we're 10 games in. We are three and seven. We're like probably point, I don't know, 90 now. Or 09. And we're not going to have urgency now. Now. Now the urgency happens. The urgency has arrived. Not to worry, Saints fan. Your head coach said, hey, you know what? We have been playing with a sense of urgency first 10 weeks of the season. We, we were like, you know what? We're just having fun being three and seven. But now it's time to lock in. Yeah. Now it's time to get our act together and stop doing the same thing. He literally said, it's insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Cat, you've been doing that for 10 weeks as the head coach. And the man said, "Well, if we uh, if uh, if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's uh, that's insanity. We we have yeah. to have a sense of urgency. It's not good at football, nah, Captain Obvious. One plus one equals two. I know the sky is blue. Do you? He is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He is not the brightest crayon in the box. It's a freaking black crayon." Urgency now. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for telling me and things that we have told you all over and over and over and over again to the point there's a petition for you to be fired. Let's now have urgency. Let's now figure out how to play football and not do the same thing over and over again. Your players have already told you that, dummy. Figure your life out. You're promoted, you're promoted to head coach. You're trying to be an defensive coordinator, which you're not. You're the head coach. Read your title, sir. His head coach. You brought up P. Carmichael, who didn't want to be the offensive coordinator, and he somehow is. Of course he doesn't care about the offense because he didn't want to be an offensive coordinator. He's going to sit in his little bench on the side of the game the whole time. That's all he wants to do. He didn't want to be an offensive coordinator, but you still promote him to be that. The, the, the defense? Nowhere to be found. Tyron Matthew, I, I don't know what you're doing, bud. On the back of a milk carton. Yeah, he, he's, he's chilling. With chilling Mar- like a villain. With Marcus Davenport. Yeah. Jameis Winston, let's not put him in the game. You know what? He's not healthy because we let him not be healthy because we have a medical staff that's incompetent. Having to have Trevor Penning just got drafted into the NFL, and the man's like, I'm going to explain to you now what a turf toe is. Thank you. I'm so glad we have to have you to explain that to us. Not the medical staff that's supposed to be smart and know how to say things to the team. Be like, hey, let's now put freaking, what's his name, Jarvis Landry, and let's have, let's have Michael, you know, have Ingram. Let's, uh, <laughs> Michael Thomas, let's have your surgery now. You might as well have had Alvin Kamara have his dr- stinking trial now, been suspended now for what he had done over the summer. Because the team is nowhere to be found. <laughs> and the thing in my hand is a sock that has rice in it just to like get rid of headaches. Because it's just to, like warm you up. And I'm just tossing it around. Because the team has frustrated you to the point now. <laughs> the man just realized that his team needs a sense of urgency. Yeah. Now. 
Look, I, I'm not knee-jerk reaction guy. We all know that, right? I, I'm, I, I preach patience all the time on, on these airwaves. To many of you that call in and listen to the show, I, I do. But man, it's hard. It's hard to preach patience when the head football coach of the Saints tells, well, you know, the message has been just having fun. But now I told him, we got to have a sense of urgency. And, you know, if we keep doing the same thing, that's, you know, the definition of insanity. And, you know, we haven't been playing to the standard. You think? No, really? (laughs) Think so much. Where's he been? I just want to see. There's 23 seconds. I want to see what this says about execution wasn't good. Please tell me what you think execution is anyway. You know, I just feel like. I don't feel like the execution was as good as it needed to be. And I felt like there were some some opportunities offensively to make some plays that, that we didn't we didn't capitalize on. And and so um, we've we've gotta gotta capitalize on on the opportunities that we do have. Yeah, so it the, the film kind of was what I thought it was gonna look like. God dang film. <laughs> Go watch your film. <laughs> I hope the man has a life supply of popcorn of how much film he says he needs to watch. Because <laughs> apparently, he said, man, he's not turn the projector on. Because how can you be watching film and yet you still are losing ball games? Capitalizing on opportunities. Sir, use your players you got. Do you know who they are? Do you need to tell you who they are? I'll tell you their, I'll tell you their, you know, their number. I'll tell you how tall they are, how much they weigh, what season they're in. Taysom Hill, he's a player. You know that, right? You know what? You know that? He's a player. Taysom Hill is a player. Alvin Kamara, he's a player too. But you know how to give the ball to them. Taysom Hill got recognition by the NFL when he had three touchdowns. And the man got no ball the rest of the way. We are three and seven, sir. Figure your life out. We got to take a timeout. And I'm going to try to calm down five names. I'm getting texted about it as we speak. What is going on with Hannah this morning? It's not going to work. Has she turned into Kevin? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, my last name changed. It's now Hannah Grace Olivia Foote. That's it. He will be a proud papa this morning. We got to take a time out. When we return, we're going to talk New Orleans Pelicans with our buddy Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Pierre the Pelican and the King Cake Baby consider him a close personal friend. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Or at least a Facebook friend or MySpace friend. Is MySpace still a thing? I wonder what Tom is up to these days. He's desperate. He'd sleep with a meat grinder. Time for some more friendly Pelicans talk on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know that it can also play the game? Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, 
Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. That's right, the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette or 1041 Lake Charles, with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you may go. Don't forget to get those votes in on the poll question of the day. Who's been the been, been the biggest breakout star for LSU's offense this year? You have four options. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to stay in the city of New Orleans, but thankfully not be talking about the Saints. That way, Hannah Five Names does not have an aneurysm live on the air like she just almost did. And we're going to talk New Orleans Pelicans with the man in charge of the bird rights. Ollie Cassell joins us now. Ollie, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Good morning to you. Actually, on this chilly day, it's been, it's been a shock to my system. So you know what's great on a chilly day is some brownies. I heard you're making some. You're going to send some our way? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah listen the story behind that is one of my dogs right takes medicine uh 16 years old just went through cancer thankfully it's in remission but the only way he takes that medicine is if you stuff it in brownies of course of course <laughs> you gotta love them man you gotta love them all right bud the thing that stands out to me so far early in this season we're only 13 games in about the pills is that they're seven and six overall. They're five and five in their last ten. But the defense isn't quite right. What's off with the Pelicans defense? Yeah, the uh overall the numbers look fine, right? Offense ninth, defense eleventh, net rating seventh. So you think everything's great, but no, you're right to point out that the defense lately hasn't been good and and there is a finger to point. Um, everybody knows that Zion hasn't been playing well defensively, but I think the bigger issue is the fact that Zion and Jonas Valanciunas don't really work together because they both can't cover ground, right? They both can't make up for each other's mistakes or other breakdowns somewhere in the defense, and the numbers kind of show it. Jonas Valanciunas suddenly looks like a liability out there whenever Zion's out there because when Larry Nance suddenly gets out there on the floor, guess what? The Pelicans have one of the best defenses, so it's funny how that works. Um, we shouldn't give up hope on them yet, though, right? I mean, this group played, I think, maybe three practices together. I'm talking about the usual starting lineup and just in one half of one uh, preseason game. So they've had whatever has been, what, maybe four games together in the regular season just because of injuries, knocking somebody out at certain times. So Willie Green's going to give them some time, but you're right. That defense could be strengthened, and the finger right now to point at, like I said, is, is a combination of Zion and Jonas Valanciunas. They just can't, right? They can't cover ground. They're not um, either athletic in Jonas's case, where they can, you know, prevent lob threats, like with Capella against the Hawks, or vice versa. Zion, he's just not rotating quickly enough to get out to three-point shooters, giving the right help. Right, 17-month layoff, so you got to give both of those guys. I feel like just like I said, time. So you feel like it's just that chemistry on the defensive side of things will come together just with reps? I think enough chemistry will make them a passable defense. Where I think they can shine, Raymond, is being that offensive juggernaut that we thought we were going to see, right? Those first two games against the Nets and the Charlotte Hornets, that starting lineup just destroyed whoever was uh, opposite them. And since then, they just really haven't done that. And, and you see why, right? C.J. McCollum can't make a shot last four games. Um, they've had some bad turnover games. And they're still trying to figure out, actually, 
how they're going to run the offense, right? Slowly but surely, they're getting the ball more to Zion to initiate, whether it's with pick and rolls with C.J. McCollum, which I think everybody should expect to become a big thing, or whether, you know, maybe somehow get Brandon involved. But, you know, right now, they're just not playing good basketball. That's an easy way to put it. So the offense has been pretty darn good, but kind of average at times. And when the defense is kind of on that same level, well, there you go. You're going to have those issues, those roller coasters within games that we've seen. You mentioned McCollum. He's kind of just gone in a lull a little bit when it comes to shooting the basketball. But they had a good performance last time out against the Rockets. Zion drops 26. B.I. comes up huge as he was able to help ice the game with that 13-0 run in the final uh, two minutes and some change. Do you feel a little bit more optimistic about this team kind of being able to turn a corner or – is it too early to tell that because it was a game against the Rockets? No, I do. The Rockets are explosive uh, offensively. Jalen Green, if any, no, anybody's watched, he's one of the most exciting young guards uh, in the league. Could shoot the three ball, as we saw against the Pelicans, right? Knocked down three of them during that run Houston made. Um, because outside of that nine minutes where the Pelicans were up by 18, and then nine minutes later, or whatever it was exactly, they were down eight. That's what you have to avoid, right? Because for the rest of the game, the Pelicans played really well. But they needed somebody to save them because they fell behind like that. Thank goodness Jose Alvarado happened. I mean, we've got to mention him, right, Raymond? Pelicans don't win that game, I don't think, if it's not for Jose. His offense, his defense, his, his the way his his plays just you know change the momentum of the game. Um, that's a necessity, and you've got to credit Willie Green. Because previously, Jose had largely been playing minutes in the first and third quarters, um and Devante second and fourth but he switched that up along with several other things like putting bi and zion together more bringing in larry nance quicker off balance so there's there's a lot of experimentation going on but overall yeah i thought the pelicans did well so once they iron these things out like you said get that chemistry i think things will be just fine because this team even though they're seven and six raymond their expected win percentage based on just how they played is a lot higher um i think from what I last read, they're on pace, or they were on a pace to be on a 50-win team, right? So sooner or later, you're going to start winning some of those overtime games, I think. Obviously, defense is not where it needs to be right now. What's the other thing that you, when you look at this team as it stands right now at 7-6, and six, that you go, hey, uh, they need to clean this up. This is something that needs to be cleaned up if this team legitimately wants to be a top three, top four seed in the West. They need to space their floor better. Um, I think that goes into that chemistry uh, that we've been talking about. And I think we will continue to talk about until we see changes. Because what I mean by that is the Pelicans are not taking advantage of that three-point shot. Um, their percentages dropped off. But more worrying is they're just not shooting the ball. So that's just giving opponents the opportunity to pack the paint. That's why Zahn sees so many double teams. And even against Houston, they started trying to double him late. Um, just simply because the Pelicans, they're not really a threat to shoot that three. I mean, they rank last in three-point attempts in the league. You can't be last. That That's where you're, you know, that that's just how the NBA modern game is played. And you've got to take advantage because you've got some weapons, right? I mean, I know Trey Murphy's been in a bit of a slump, CJ, obviously. But those guys are going to start hitting. And you, so you've got to keep those opportunities going to keep the floor spread. Four balance units to operate inside. Zion to drive in there. Same with Brandon Ingram. 
So that's my big other bigger concern, right? Besides the defense, just keep that floor space and shoot some threes. Run some offense that, you know, run Trey off a few screens. You never see it happen. And get him with some of those shots because eventually they're going to go in. And when he's on fire, boy, the Pelicans will be unstoppable. We're talking with Ollie Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. I, I want to look over the Western Conference as a whole. I see a lot of teams all around the same performing the same way and I see a lot of teams that are just six and four in their last 10 or four and six I mean it it just goes down the list there no one's really separating themselves Ollie I mean the trailblazers nuggets and jazz are all atop of the standings but there's only like a half game a game a game and a half after that what do you make of kind of a sluggish start to the start of the season for the western conference well each team's got their own you know issues you know, point to the Lakers just being a bad team, to the Warriors getting off the slow start because Clay Thompson hasn't been clicking. They had that offseason drama. Uh, Clippers, no Kawhi Leonard largely at all. So they're once again having a rough it without him. But overall, I think what this screams to me is parody, right? I mean, who expected the Utah Jazz to be 10 and 5? But when you look at the numbers, they've got at least eight uh, above average players. So when you have that, it looks like, hey, you're good enough to be a playoff team in today's league as long as you're playing well right on both ends, which they have been, even though I think they've lost two in a row now. But it's another reason why I think Portland has surprised a lot of people. You, you put together a team that um, can play well on offense and defense, and like I said, you've got some depth, you're going to be able to beat just about anybody, especially at the start of the season where you know you're not playing playoff caliber basketball. So I think that's why I think probably the Golden State Warriors thought they could coast right on into uh, this season, maybe the Mavericks to an extent. But, yeah, parity's here to stay. I think this league has never seen more talent, right, in the in the league, where almost every team's got at least one star. Some have two, or I should say a lot have two, and maybe a few have three. So the Pelicans are right there in that group. Um, and like I said, that's why you can't discount a team being like, say, 2-11 and 11 when you face them like the Rockets because they do have some weapons, right? They're still going to put up a fight. And, hey, they were one of the first teams to knock off the Utah Jazz. So, yeah, parity, I think, is the name of the game, Raymond. Over in the East, Boston, Milwaukee are clearly the, the two best teams over there, and I'm not uh, really surprised by that. But over in the East as well, the Nets are on the struggle bus, and they still have all the Kyrie Irving thing. How do you think this works out for the Nets? Do we see Kyrie back in the uniform playing for them again? People out of New York that are close to the situation are saying he's never going to play for them again, which is kind of interesting because they've actually played better without him. I mean, I know they lost their last game, a disappointing one to the Lakers, but before that, Kevin Durant led those guys to, I think, four wins in their five previous games prior to, like I said, that Lakers game. So they're playing better basketball. And with Kyrie being such a headache, and looks like they don't want him around, right? Joe Tsai gave him this gigantic checklist. And it sounds like he's met with everybody, but yet he still hasn't been reinstated. I mean, he's six games into a suspension. It was supposed to be a minimum of five. So nobody knows when he's going to be back. And like I said, that screams to me that they're probably, they don't want to see him come back, right? So it's a toss-up. Will he play there again? Will he not? But then begs the question, who else is going to want to take him on, right? Especially when a lot of teams have that talent, right? That good talent. Well, you know what, brother? You never have to worry about us wanting you on here on RP3 and Company. It's always a pleasure, my friend. 
Thank you, Raymond. And I hope you don't mind the dogs, especially Hannah. I know she, I think she likes this one behind me a lot. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah, you like it? You like her? She's she's cute, isn't she? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, look, that could be the ugliest dog on the face of the planet. It would look adorable to Hannah because she has to look at me for three hours, Ollie. Exactly. So just say it, bud. <laughs> Raymond, you're terrible. Puppers are puppers. <laughs> Hey man, I got I have a deaf dog at home, so yes, all about the pets, brother. Thank you for your time, Ollie. Enjoy your week, bud. Yeah, you too, guys. Take care. We'll update or rather finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in the World Series champion Houston Astros. <laughs> Final results of the poll question of the day. Who has been LSU's biggest breakout offensive player this season? Obviously, the biggest offensive, the biggest breakout player, rather, is Harold Perkins Jr., the guy that LSU football is starting to say is the Tasmanian devil. But we asked you, who's the biggest breakout offensive player? 51% of you say Jane Daniels. 26% say Josh Williams. 13% say Will Campbell. 10% say Malik Neighbors. Brad on Twitter says, Josh Williams for sure. The former walk-on has been steady, reliable, and fearless. Daniels doesn't get enough help from Denbrock when the O-line struggles with pass protection. Darren says, I know this is LSU-related, but I said Sauce Gardner was the best DB in last year's draft before the draft better than Stingley, and the Jets snatched him. (laughs) My man had to insert some Jets love in there. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Thank you for all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thank you for all who left your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We appreciate you. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast, Coach Dez of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jim Cazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press and the McNeese Coaches Show, and, of course, Ali Cassell, our friend, the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. And before we sign off today, I just need to check on the mental health of Hannah Five Names. How we doing? I'm... Okay. I feel like I was okay, and then Aaron Summers from, I guess she writes for the Saints and Pelicans, says, Caden Ellis on DA, we're so blessed to have him, the energy, the mind he has. He believes in the group and knows what we need to do. No, he doesn't! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, man, oh, man. This is what happens when you work with Kevin Foote for a year. Almost two years. Come January, it'll be two years of any capacity working with Foote. Foote has rubbed off on you. You're now transforming into the female Foote. Uh. <laughs> Congratulations. Mm. <laughs> Once again, Dennis Allen, after week 10 goes, you know, we've been having fun, but it's time for a you know, sense of urgency now. <laughs> now now for the producer extraordinaire miss out of five names i'm raymond parts the third we'll do it all again tomorrow six to nine but until then be safe out there be kind to one another kevin foot and footnotes is up next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station